JKP Films presents If Kane Were Able. Episode 9. Get all the kids to hide in that bush. I'm going to try to lead the guards away from here so that you guys can make your way to the old paper mill I told you about earlier. No, that's suicide. Let's stick together and keep on moving. If we do that, they'll catch up with us within the hour. Here, take this and make your way east. Five minutes after the guards change direction. Paul hands the gun he took from the guardian capacitated to Roberta. No, you should take it. You might need it. Paul tries to hand the gun to her again. It's not up for discussion. Take it and go. Paul hugs Roberta. He then starts to head off. Paul! Paul turns around to face her. Make sure you come back to us. I will. Paul runs back towards the direction the guards are coming in and bears to the right. The rest of the kids hide in the bushes. Paul runs as fast as he can. After a little while, flashlights can be seen darting around the short distance in front of him. He dodges the lights whilst clinging onto his gun. He hides in a bush. One of the guards passes very close to him. Paul holds his breath and then tails behind the guards. When the guards are a few minutes away, he shoots his gun at a tree, screams and starts running in a zigzag formation to the entrance of the nature reserve. Whilst doing this, Paul makes as much noise as he can. Every so often, he changes his voice and screams, over here, over here, over here, over here, over here. All of the guards turn around and start running in his direction. Paul runs as fast as he can, whilst dodging bullets that whiz by his head. Run faster. They're gaining on us. They're gaining on us. One of the guards aims and shoots at Paul. Meanwhile, a short distance away, Paul hopes convoy of kids make their way out of the nature reserve and sneak through the streets of London. Moments later, back inside the nature reserve, the guards gain on Paul Hope. He swerves round a tree and then runs forward. The entrance he used to enter the nature reserve earlier is a short distance ahead of him. He can see it clearly. Suddenly, one of the guards stops running, aims at Paul and shoots. The bullet flies out from the barrel of the guard's gun, speeds through the air and hits Paul in the left shoulder. Blood begins to spurt out of Paul's wound, while the impact of the shot itself throws him forward, clean off his feet. He lands face down. He doesn't move. The guards reduce the ground between them and him, whilst in excruciating pain. Paul looks at the entrance of the nature reserve, struggles to get back onto his feet and then starts staggering forward, staggering, staggering, staggering all the way to the gates. Within minutes he exits the nature reserve and runs into the road. Suddenly, a car almost knocks him over. Paul sees the car approaching at fast pace but he's far too tired, far too knackered to just jump out of the way. He freezes still, can't get a break. But the car screeches to a stop inches in front of him. Lucky break after all. Paul looks into the driver's seat. And who does he see? Roberta Marquez. Get in! Paul runs to the passenger door, opens it, jumps into the car and shuts the door behind him. As soon as he's done this, Roberta speeds off. I thought I told you to get the others to safety. You're not the boss of me. I knew you would need help. So I told Carlos to get the kids to safety. Well, I did what had to be done. Paul puts his hand on Roberta's hand. Thank you. Roberta smiles and increases the speed of the car. We've got to get you to a hospital. No hospitals. It's too dangerous for us. We need to take care of ourselves from now on. Without a doctor, you'll bleed to death. No, I won't. The bullet went straight through. Pull up over there. 
Roberta pulls up near a chemist. Paul gets out of the car, looks at the window of the chemist, looks around at the floor and sees a, a brick. He picks up the brick and throws it at the window. The window shatters. Please can you go into that chemist and get as many medical supplies as you can carry. I need you to patch me up before we go and meet the others. Me? Yes. You. I need you. Right now, Roberta. More than I've ever needed anyone. You're the only one who can help me right now. So either you woman up right now, or I bleed to death. Roberta gets out of the car and walks towards the chemist. She walks through the broken window and searches the chemist for useful stuff. Meanwhile, in the Righteous's hideout... Where's Roberta and Paul? They'll be here soon. But where are they? I'm sorry, I don't know, Penny. Is Paul going to be okay? Of course he is. But the bad women are trying to get him, and if they find him, they'll hurt him. The bad women won't get him. Paul will be back soon, so don't worry, okay, Penny? I'll, I'll try not to. But I can't help it. The bad women scare me. They killed my mummy because she wouldn't let them take me. Come here, Penny. Let me give you a hug. I promise I won't let the bad women get you. I'm so sorry about your mother, but you don't have to worry about Paul. He can take care of himself. I can't help it. Paul and Roberta have always been good to me. A few minutes later, Roberta makes her way back to the spot where she parked with a handful of stuff. Roberta has a baffled expression on her face. The car she parked is nowhere to be seen. Instead, Paul Hope is sitting in the passenger seat of a different car. What was wrong with the other car? The guards saw us in it, which means they're probably looking for it at the moment. So I ditched it and got this one. Roberta gets into the driver's seat, googles how to patch up a wound, and then sterilizes and patches up Paul's wound. She then hotwires the car and drives off. After an hour's drive, they arrive at the abandoned warehouse where they arrange to meet the other children from their group. Paul has a white vest on, and he has an adhesive dressing on his wound. The dressing has blood on it. Roberta and Paul carefully survey the area, then they cautiously make their way into the warehouse where Carlos and the other kids are waiting. The children inside the warehouse are listening to a radio. They collectively let out a sigh of relief when they see Paul and Roberta. Music starts to play on the radio. Turn that down, please. First things first, you guys just made your first rookie mistake. If we'd been Kelly's guards, you'd all be dead before you even knew we were here. That's correct. And tomorrow we will have at least eight lookouts at all times, who we will govern with a rotor system. The lookouts will have four-hour shifts. Carlos, Will and Sheldon, please take the first watch after this briefing, and I'll send your replacements at the end of your shift. News just in. We will shortly be bringing you the story about the serial killer's children. Turn that up, please. Breaking news. The Prime Minister has just informed us that Eve Hope has massacred the serial killer's children. It's believed that this was an act by her and her followers to try and cover up the fact that she removed the wrong gene from the serial killer's sperm and that subsequently a number of women were murdered by their own children. According to our source, the full force of the government is currently trying to hunt down Eve Hope. We urge our listeners to please report any sightings of Eve Hope to the police. Please do not try and confront her yourself, as she is believed to be armed and highly dangerous. Hold on, it seems... Hang on a second. It seems like we're just receiving an update on this story. Yes, yes, we are. It's been reported that a few of the children escaped before the massacre. And one of these was none other than 
Paul Hope, Eve Hope's son. Now, these children are presumed to be dangerous, so please, if you see them, do not approach them. Just report their whereabouts to the police. The kids all look at Paul. He walks up to the radio, switches it off, and then stands up in front of them. He looks each of them in the eyes. We are now in a state of war. We did not start it, but I swear to God that we will finish it. Eve, Hope and all of those in power will pay for the massacre of our brothers and sisters with their blood. First we will train, and then we will torture and kill with great vengeance, until the last of our sworn enemies dead and buried. Mark my words, they will regret what they did on this day, and each and every one of them will be held accountable for their sins. From this day forth, we will be known as the righteous, and we will not rest until we have avenged our brothers and sisters who were murdered tonight. What about our families? None of us can go home until we finish what our enemy has started. If we did, we would just be signing a death warrant for ourselves and for those we love. I will not try to stop anyone from leaving, but I must make it clear right now that if you turn your back on us, now, in this time of need, then from this day forward, we will turn our backs on you. Vengeance, 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 vengeance. After the speech, Roberta walks up to Paul, who's standing alone. I don't think your mum was involved in the killing of the kids we left behind. Roberta, I don't want to talk about her ever again. But this is important. When the guards took you into the lab, your mum came to 10 Downing Street and she looked livid. She tried to call out for you, but then one of the guards dragged her away. She probably just had a tiff with Kelly. You know she worked for Kelly after the virus struck. That's not what it seemed like to me. I know my mum better than you, so just do me a favour and don't bring her up ever again. A few moments later... We've got a number of small children here, so I would like pairs of you to volunteer to look out for them. Myself and Roberta Marquez will be looking after Penny Hoddells. Those of you who are willing to volunteer, please speak to me later. I'm so happy you and Paul are going to look after me. I really like you and Paul. Oh, and we really like you too, Penny. I heard from Carlos that you were really worried that me and Paul were not going to make it back safely. Yes, the bad women. Take people away and kill them. I wouldn't want them to take you and Paul away. The bad women will never kill me and Paul. I promise that whatever happens, we'll always find our way back to you. Okay, darling? Okay, Roberta. The very next day, mothers all over the UK mourn their children and question whether the news reports were right about them. Whilst this is happening, Kelly Shields curbs the media's free speech, demanding that all news must be vetted by her office before it's published. In the afternoon, Tristan is training in Epping Forest. He's using YouTube videos and books to teach him how to hunt, fight and survive. Meanwhile, in a flat in Barking, Eve is pacing up and down. Every so often, she looks at the clock and then she looks at the door. Later that night, Eve is sitting at the kitchen table, staring at the door. Hours later, Tristan enters the flat. Where have you been? Training. Didn't I tell you that it's too dangerous for you to go outside alone? All my life I've been hearing that. But now more than ever, I need to learn how to take care of myself. No, it's my job to take care of you. I'm not a baby. I'm not made out of glass. We can't afford to waste time baby-proofing the world for me. We should be focusing on finding Paul. But that's not fair. 
How dare you say that? I want to find your brother more than anything else in the world. I know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. I just want Paul back. We're going to find him. No matter what it takes, we'll find him. Do you think he didn't come back to us? Because of me? No, don't you ever say that again. Your brother loves you, okay? Okay. How's your invention coming along? I heard you tinkering around with that stuff all last night. I finally succeeded in making the holographic computer work. But that's great. Show me. Tristan pushes a button on his watch. A hologram of a computer screen appears in mid-air. I managed to hack into different government satellites, and I'm using them to try to find Paul. That's a brilliant idea. Tristan begins flicking through various satellite pictures for his mother to see. They search for Paul all night. The next day, Commissioner Lisa Rayner is going through all of the files of the mothers who were murdered since the Titan virus hit. Come in. Commissioner, you asked to see me? Take a seat, Samantha, and call me Lisa. There's no need for formalities in this setting. I just want to use you as a sounding board. Because... Ever since the first homicide after the Titans virus struck the world, something has been bothering me. But I can't put my finger on it. You're not buying the government's official line on the matter? I'll reserve judgement on that until a later date. So what has been bothering you about the case? Well, the first thing that's bothering me is that each of the crime scenes seems too clinical. The second thing bothering me is that all of the children of the mothers who were murdered denied killing their mothers, and they passed the best polygraphs in the land. And the final thing bothering me is my guts telling me that I'm missing something that I've seen before. That's quite a list. How can I help? Read through these case files relating to the murders of the mothers with me, and let me know if anything jumps out at you. A few hours later, in the middle of the night, instead of sleeping, the Righteous are in the middle of a forest training session. That's brilliant, guys. You're all improving a lot. I... Uh, Hold on. I've got something to say, Paul. Yes? Who made you the leader? Pardon? Yeah, you heard. I don't remember seeing the group voting to decide that you should be our leader. Um, check your tone, Ricky. Paul stepped up when the situation required it. I don't remember you doing anything to help us escape from Kelly Shields' prison camp or sacrificing yourself so the rest of us could escape. Oh, butt out, Roberta. Ain't no one talking to you, so mind your own business. This concerns all of us, so it is my business. You want me to make you shut up? <laughs> I would love to see you try it. You must have selective memory or something. I mean, you really have forgotten what happened the last time you crossed me. Whatever. Just say the words and I will be happy to refresh your memory. Maybe we should put it up to the group though. All those who want Ricky to be our leader, say I now. Aye. And those of you who'd like me to be the leader, say I now. Aye. 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 Sorted. By unanimous decision, Paul is still our leader. That's rubbish. I'm the strongest and I'm the alpha male in this group, so I should be the leader. That's not important. You asked for a vote, so we just had a fair and honest vote. And a decision was made, so deal with it. You deal with this. Fighting won't prove anything. That's it, Ricky. You've got him running scared. Finish him! Ain't nobody scared of you and your little band of bullies. See? You're nothing but a chicken. We are in dangerous times right now, and we need a war leader, not a diplomat. I'm warning you. This is your last chance, Ricky. Ooh, I'm so scared. Not. You're nothing but a pansy, just like your weakling of a brother. 
Paul rushes up to Ricky and throws a jab with his left hand. Startled, Ricky tries to block the blow, but before he can, the blow connects with his jaw. Paul then sends a powerful right hook to Ricky's temple. Stunned from the previous jab, Ricky fails to move out of the way in time, and the force of the blow when it connects sends Ricky staggering backwards before Ricky can compose himself or put up his guard. Paul lands a deadly uppercut on Ricky's chin and knocks Ricky out. A week later, on a cold, dark night, Tristan pulls the balaclava down over his face, picks up a brick and throws it at a weapon shop window. He walks through the now windowless frame. On the shelves, there are loads of guns and ammunition. He puts a number of the guns and weapons in his travel bag. Later that night, Tristan does shooting practice in a soundproof derelict shooting range which he breaks into. He has a poor aim. He practices martial arts training from YouTube videos and Bruce Lee's book for a few hours instead. The next week at Shepherd's Bush Police Station... DCI Samantha Day, thank you for agreeing to see me. What can you tell me about the Helena Clark case? Not much, I'm afraid. Except, it was a very strange case. Mysteriously, there was no sign of forced entry, none of the neighbours saw anything, and a three-year-old child was found in the house by herself, after Helena disappeared. Were there any clues to suggest that Helena went on a trip and just abandoned her daughter? No, we didn't find any receipts for any purchases of tickets for travel, and her bank accounts and credit cards haven't been touched since she disappeared. Have there been any new clues in the case since you started your investigation? No. What about the Charlotte Reef case? That case was equally baffling, but we haven't been able to find any new clues in that case either. Here's my card. Can you keep me updated if there are any new leads in either of these cases? Will do. Thank you. Hope to hear from you soon. Goodbye. A few hours later, DCI Samantha Day makes an entry into the police mainframe computer about her meeting with Hilary Metcalf. Moments later at MI5 headquarters... Lady Turner! We've had a hit on Charlotte Reef and Helena Clark. On our clone of the police's mainframe computer. Uh, a reporter called Hilary Metcalf just made some queries into both of these ladies. Okay, people, we have a code blue. I want to know everything about this reporter within the next two hours. I want to know about her family, her friends, her colleagues, her likes. I want to know about what she's currently working on and who her sources are. I don't believe in coincidences, people, so let's not get caught off guard with our pants around our ankles. I want her house and her office bugged. I want her clone of her phone, a clone of her computer, and a clone of her social networks, and I want it yesterday, people. What are you waiting for? Get to it. Hi, my name's Jonathan Poku, and I'm the writer and the director of this podcast, if you would like to be informed about competitions, exclusive content and information about this show and other shows created by JKP Films, please go to www.jkpfilms.com and subscribe to our mailing list via the subscription box which is at the bottom of the page. In addition, if you would like to help us to continue to make this podcast and other projects, please feel free to go to www.jkpfilms.com and to donate as little or as much as you would like via the donate button which is at the bottom of the page. Please believe me, all donations are always appreciated. Oh yeah, if you would like to contact us, please email us at inquire at jkpfilms.com. Thank you so much and I can't wait to hear from you.
Save yourselves, don't give up on your face 